Uh, good morning, Hope Church. It is good to be with you. It's good to see all of you. Uh, it's, it's been a little while since I've got to be here. I think it was back in uh, June, the last time I, I had the opportunity to preach, and this room looked very different, right? It was empty. Um, you guys online all look the same, so it's good to see you still here. In fact, that's a, a nice, nice new couch you got there. That's, that looks good. Um, but it, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here because we, we get to dig into God's Word together. And even though as the church, right, this is, is kind of a, a it, it kind of feels weird as the church because we're, we're all scattered, right? Some of us are here together physically in this room. Some are gathered as families during the family services at the Rochette campus. Uh, some of you are sitting together in your living room. Some are like on, on work trips to New Mexico. And we're, we're all over the place. And yet we're still able to be together as the church. Uh, and so over these past couple of weeks, we've been able to dig into God's word as we're going through First Peter. Uh, and it's been so good because Peter wrote that book to the, the church scattered. And yet we still get to be together in these different ways. And it's so important for us to, uh, to dig into God's word, to, to, to learn what God is calling us to be, to chase after him together. And so that's what we get to do today. And, and I do have to say thanks to, to Pastor Matt because he gave me this passage today and it is just loaded with grenades. All right. And it's one of those passages where there's just so many things in here that, uh, that have caused problems over the years. And it's all just packed. And there's like, as, as I've been preparing, there's like at least eight sermons packed into this. So, uh, so buckle up. It should only take, a, I, I think I've narrowed it down to about an hour and a half. So we should, we should be good. Um, but it is, it's, it's so good to, to be together. And again, whether, whatever format you're in. Uh, it's so good to engage together, and it's, it's been cool seeing the community and, uh, and the, the church online, being able to see people just interacting together with the hosts. We've got some amazing volunteers who are serving as hosts uh, and, and just doing an incredible job of just loving people in that form. We've got people, in fact, on Facebook. I, I better say this. I'm going to say hi to everybody on Facebook really quick. There we go. There. And I'll put that away. But distracted. But it is like we're just all gathered together. And it's so cool to be able to be the church in this way and figuring out new ways to live it out. And this, this agape project that we're doing, right? It's, it's an opportunity to be the church. And whether we're able to gather together in buildings like this or we're gathering together in homes, uh, we're opening up God's word. We're, we're being the church and being what we're called to be. Because this, in, in this book that, that Peter wrote in First Peter, he's really calling the Christians, the, the, the people who are following after Jesus, uh, even though they're scared, to, to, to live counterculturally. Uh, they were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, uh, and he was calling them to live differently. And it's the same thing for us. As we're scattered, if we're followers of Jesus, we can be encouraged by his word. We can also be challenged to live our lives differently. Because even though uh, our world is just in, in a crazy uproar, it feels like every, t every day there's new things, right? And there's just so much going on. And as followers of Jesus, we can live differently. And when we do, um, it has such a great effect on the way that people understand the hope of the gospel. And as we live our lives, if we, if we imitate Jesus, 
then we have the ability to, to point people to Jesus and show him what it really looks like to be a follower of Jesus and the hope that we live by. But if we're not careful as followers of Jesus, as we live out uh, our lives in this world, that if we're not careful, and oftentimes, and we see it all the time, right, that it, what happens is Christians end up just slinging mud on the name of Jesus. And so it's really important that we do this. And so uh, today we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3. And before we read through uh, God's word together today, I just want to uh, invite you just to pray with me. Let's pray and ask has God to teach us today. Father, we love you, and we thank you for just the privilege to be your church. For all of us who have who've come to know the hope that we have in you, that we get to gather and chase after you. And, and maybe there's people here for the first time who are just uh, checking us out online, or maybe they've, they've come to our campus and, and they're, they're uh, trying to, to figure out who we are. God, what a privilege it is to, uh, to gather as 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 people who are loved by you. And what a privilege it is to get to understand that love. And Jesus, uh, my prayer is that this morning, uh, whether we're here at the Kennedy campus or whether we're at Roshek or whether we're online, God, we pray that, uh, that you would just teach us. That as we read your word, that, that you would just show us more of who you are and your incredible love for us. And that we would understand a little bit more what it means to follow you. And that we would take that next step, whatever it is, to chase after you. We ask this in your name. Amen. All right. So today, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. And this is uh, often, as, as Pastor Matt kind of uh, started us off last week, finishing up chapter 2. This is... This is Peter talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it should look like in relationships and in marriage. And so let's just read uh, these 12 verses together, starting in verse 1 of chapter 3. Wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongues from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So some grenades. Uh, you, you may have, have, have caught them as we were through. And just so you know, that's not what you should do with grenades. Don't catch them. That's not how it works. Right? But there's, there's, there's so many of these words and phrases just loaded in this passage that are ones that you probably caught and like noticed, took note of as we read through. Because these are things that are, are, are very countercultural. Right? They're very uh, opposed to the way that, that we uh, live our lives and the world that we live in. And many of the, the grenades uh, that are, are in this passage are ones that, that reinforce some of the reasons that people uh, would say that Christianity is obsolete or archaic. Right? Some of these grenades are, are the reasons that people have turned away from Christ and are looking for something new. And, and to be fair, there's some really big grenades in this passage. And I, and I want to just quickly call some of these things out. Right, and the first one, the big one right off the bat is this idea of, of wives submit. Right, submission, it's, it's a very dirty word in our culture, right? right we're, we're Americans. We don't bend the knee to anybody. Right? And add, add to that fact that, that we live in a, in a culture, in a world where we've been fighting for equality in regards to gender and race for a very long time. And you build on that with some of these other phrases, and, and we look at, at wives being described as weaker partners, that, that wives are supposed to be gentle and mild in spirit, that women should be plain and simple and not wear elaborate hairstyles, gold or fancy clothing, that women are called her husband Lord. Right? There's a lot of things in here that are just like... Are, they're, they're grenades, right? And we have a long history riddled with people who have used the Bible and have used passages like this as weapons. And they've used them as grenades to justify evil. And they've used passages like this and they've taken things out of context and they've used them to, to teach harmful things that have just caused so much harm and so much hurt. And they chuck these grenades at people and hurt them. And they chuck these grenades at people and, and, and defame the name of, of God. Now I want to be really clear, when people do this, they're distorting God's word. They're teaching something that's actually opposed to the character and will of God. And I think, and so I want you to hold with me because we're going to try to talk through, there's, again, there's so much stuff in here. We're going to try to talk through so much of this because this is God's word. But what happens is oftentimes we just take some of these phrases and we take the English meaning of them and we just start to throw them at people and tell people how they ought to behave and what things need to look like and, and there's no grace and there's no clarity in any of it. And some of you hear those words or, or hear me reading through that and you hear those words and you're, you're tempted to just be like, all right, that's what I thought it was. You're ready to walk out of this room or maybe you're ready to like change the channel, right? Or, or turn off the computer and go do something else because this is just reinforcing this. That's what I thought. These are those Christians, right? They're just here to, to tell everybody else what to do. And so if, if that's the way that you feel, I want, you just, I want to just encourage you just to stick with me. 
Okay, let's stick with us for a little bit. And we're going to talk about this and uh, because we are called to live counterculture. As followers of Jesus, we should be doing things. We should be living uh, in a way that's different than the world around us. But I think the way that we live and in, in what we're called to live is often different than what people often paint and the picture that people expect or what they assume that being a Christian is like. And so my prayer is that I'm able to get out of the way and let God's word speak. And so today we're going to be talking about this idea of God-honoring relationships for Christ followers. And so we're going we're gonna to look through this and... Um, Starting again in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, wives in the same way. So we're, we're five words in and we have to stop. All right? So we, we have to stop because we come to this passage that in the same way. All right? We can't just keep reading and go on to submit, which is the one that we all want to get to. And like, let's talk about that. All right? But we have, to, we have to get through this first, right? In the same way. In the same way as what? What is it that Peter is telling us that, that we're supposed to do things in the same way as? And so we have to, we have to go back. Right? And so if you have your Bible, I've gone swipe left, head back to chapter two, or if you've got a physical Bible, you just turn the page. Alright, go back to chapter two. Alright, and in the, in the back of chapter two, verse 21, Peter, Peter describes it this way. He says, to this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. In the same way as this. This is the standard. This is, this is the example. And so when we get to chapter 3 and it says, in the same way, this is the lens that we have to look through. So before instructing husbands and wives and everybody, this is, this is the model. This is the lens that we have to look through. Because he does the same thing in verse 7 with husbands in the same way. And in verse 8, giving his final instructions, it, it's pointing back to this idea, this, this model that Jesus set for us. Jesus humbled himself and he suffered and he died for us. This is submission. Right? It's not forced submission. Right? It's not, it's not slaves being forced and beaten down to obey. Rather, it's willfully out of respect for others, humbling ourselves because of what Jesus did for us. This is the example in front of us. God creator of everything, all-powerful, all-knowing, humbled himself for us. That's the model. That's the, that's the, the lens that, that affects everything else we talk about today. 
So, let's talk about relationships. How do we do this? And so we're going to talk about God's design for marriage. Right, and that's, that's what we started here, right? Right in, the, in verse 1. Wives, in the same way, submit to your husbands. And then he goes on, husbands, we're called to love our wives and we're supposed to treat them with respect. And so as we talk about God's design for marriage, I think there's kind of two sides of it to help us understand. The first part is the, is the why. Why do we do this? Why does God have this design in place? And then what? What exactly is, is the design? What is his purpose and plan for marriage? And, and the, the what is much more in-depth, so we'll talk about that in a second. But the why is really simple. Why are our husbands and wives called to, to treat each other and relate to one another in the way that he lines out here in First Peter? And it's simple. It's because as we treat each other this way, we're imitating Christ. Now, hopefully you're starting to catch this, this trend, right? This underlying idea that as followers of Christ, we don't look anywhere else for direction. We look to Jesus and we imitate what we see. And the why is because as husbands and wives love each other this way, as we treat each other this way, we get to show off Christ to the world around us. Because as much as, as this was Peter's writing to Christians scattered throughout the Roman Empire and marriage looked a, a lot different and so when, when the followers of Jesus lived this out, they stood out. We have that same opportunity because our culture, we don't see lots of examples of this, do we? Of husbands and wives who love each other this way. And we get to show off Jesus. Now the what, right? How do you do this? What, what is he calling us to do? What is imitating Christ look like? It really boils down to two things. First off, wives, submit to your husbands. And husbands, love your wives. But there's, there's the big catch, right? Because that's, that's what people see and get all upset about, right? And there's this big thing. Well, it's, again, there's that submit word and, and husbands have it easy because they just have to love. That's easy, right? So how do we do this? What does this actually look like? And there's this big caveat to both of them just like Christ did, right? The, the bar is just raised exponentially. That's what we're called to be. But I know we're still, I know so many of you even in this room and online, are, uh, we're, we're still stuck on this, this nice word here of submit, right? It's, it's, a, it's a fun one. It's a scary one because it is. It's this thing like we... It's the thing that, that so long in church history and, and throughout world history that, that, that this word has been abused. And so many people have used, again, used this passage and ones like it in Scripture to, to just put down, men have used it to put down their wives or to teach that wives don't have able to do that and, and chuck grenades. And again, it's, it's so contrary to God's heart. And so, because this word and is, is such a volatile word in, in our world, a, you know, I, 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 it's, such a, it's a, such a hard thing to do, right? Because in, in our, our current language, this word submit is a sign of quitting, 
right? It's a sign of being defeated. We're in, we're in Iowa. We're wrestling as king, right? When we talk about submissions, like it's talking about being a champion. You're, you're, you're causing the other person to submit to you. You've, you've imposed your will on them, right? And then we, we, we talk about it, that, that when we talk about bringing someone into submission, it's not, a, it's not a pretty picture. And then we're like, hey, let's do that in marriage, right? It just doesn't seem to fit. And so we can't, the, the, the warning, and I think the, the encouragement of us, we, we can't just bring our own definition of a word and, and just put it into, into God's word and, and assume. We have to go back and understand what it meant. And, and so I am, I am not a Greek scholar, Right? And so I had to do some work here, right? Because the Greek word that, that we have translated and submit, and the same word that's used in Ephesians and Corinthians and in these passages about marriage, is this word huputasso, right? There you go. There's your Greek word for the day, huputasso, right? But this idea of submit, we translate it submit, but it, it's not in the same way that we use the word submit, right? Huputasso is often used in, in, is a military term. Right, and it was a term that was used, um, and it meant that, that, that troops were arranged underneath the commanding officer to accomplish the will of that officer. Right? And so you think about it in military terms. If you have a captain or you have a general who's ordering his troops around to accomplish a victory, and the troops all submit or arrange themselves order in, in, in position to carry out the commands, carry out the objective to bring about victory. That's what this word hupotasso means. That's what that, what that word submit means. So when we're talking about wives, submit to your husbands, right? Oftentimes with our English understanding, we're saying wives, bend your will to whatever your husband says and serve him, right? That's the way we often read that, which is why like so many of us, like that part of us just like rears up like, no, like that just sounds wrong. But maybe a better understanding of this phrase is, is this, that wives are to get ready to fight for your husbands. Or wives gear up to support your husbands so that your family can succeed. Right? That's that, that meaning that's embedded in that word. That it's not this idea of submitting and, and, and being submissive in this idea of just bowing down and, and giving up your will and surrendering. It's this idea of falling under the authority of to carry out the will and defend and fight for. And that changes things, right? Changes the way that we understand that. And so when we go back to this idea of wives submit to your husbands, just like Christ, Christ submitted himself under the will of God to carry out our redemptive story. Right? He willingly went to the cross. He was, he was on a mission. Right? God became flesh, lived a perfect life, went to the cross for a purpose because he loved us. Right? Because he wanted to rescue us. And so he submitted himself to God. And that's the example of wives to submit to husbands. And then when you pair that with the, this command that husbands are to love their wives the way that Christ love the church. Again, how did God love us? Right? God's love for us took him to the cross. The perfect God bore our sins so that we could be in relationship with him. That's the model that's set for us. 
it changes what the world expects of Christians, right? Like this, this model of love, this model of relationship, that, that, that bar has been set so high. I, I love how Paul says in Ephesians, in, in five, chapter 5, verses 18 through 23, it's that same Greek word, submit. Right? But it's that wives submit to your husbands, and, and husbands love your wives just like Christ loved the church. And again, that model, it just, it raises that bar. Guys, your standard for loving your wife sacrificially, the way that Jesus loved us. He gave everything for us. He gave his life for us. That's your standard. Single guys, thinking about marriage, (laughs) are you ready to give everything? Are you ready to surrender everything to love like Christ loved us? That's your standard. That's what you're called to imitate. The example is as set as high as it possibly can be. This is the model for marriage. Do the impossible. Love each other like Christ loved us. That's what you're expected to do. And that's why I love the way that Paul puts it in Ephesians 5. And and, uh, you might have noticed that, that as I said, that uh, Ephesians 5, I said verses 18 through 23. All right? But if, if some of you who like are like super Bible scholars and you're like, wait a minute, the command for husbands and wives starts in verse 21. All right? That's where, if you want to look, you can double check. Verse 21 is where the, the commands are of wives and, and husbands to love each other. So what, why do we go back to verse 18? And I think it's really simple because, because Paul, when he's writing this letter, he knows who we are. And, and I, I say this every time I do a wedding, I always love to pull up this passage because I'm like, getting ready to do vows, right? And you get this, these, this, this groom and this bride ready to stand there and, and pledge their love to each other. Have you ever read through wedding vows? The standard, again, is so high, right? They're standing here in front of, they get all their friends and their family, and they're like, before God, we're going to make these promises to each other that we know we can't keep. Because every marriage is two sinful, selfish people standing there saying, I'm going to love you perfectly, Right? That's what we promise to do. And I, I'm not saying that to make light of marriage like, or, or pick up. It's just recognizing that we're making promises that we know that on our own we're not able to keep. And Paul knows that when he writes this in Ephesians 5 because he predicates the whole thing with this reality that we absolutely need help. And so verse 18 is where Paul says, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Right? Because then when you get to verse 21, it says, therefore, wives submit to your husband, husband loves, right? That therefore, it's all built on this idea that we have to be Holy Spirit filled, right? We've all seen drunk people at some time in our lives, right? We've seen people who are under the influence and that the alcohol in their system is causing them, uh, it, it, it's taking control of their body and it's, it's, it's affecting their judgment and their, their ability to do things and all the things that they do are under the influence, And that's what God's calling us to be. He's calling us to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit should be affecting uh, the way that we think. The Holy Spirit should be affecting the way that we do things. It should be affecting the words that we speak to other people. And so husbands and wives, you're promising to do something that, again, God set the standard infinitely high. And our only hope 
is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if and only if we're living full of the Holy Spirit, can we do this marriage thing well? And when we do, we can have a marriage that, that, that causes others to look. And not look at us and be like, oh man, those people are amazing. Like, you know, and look at Mark and Emily, they're the best married couple ever. Like, no, it should be that people look at us and say, there's something different. What is it? And it points to Jesus. Because it's not about us. It's about us imitating Christ. Our hope is that people see Jesus in us as we chase after him. So a couple quick points that, that I at least want to touch on. Um, because again, there's so many grenades here. I don't want to just pass everything, but there's some important things that I, that I want to make sure we take notice of. And, and the first one is that, that Peter talks about if one spouse isn't a follower of Jesus, right? And right there in the beginning saying, if, if, and just kind of giving directions wise, if your husband's not a follower of Jesus, that, that it doesn't let us off the hook of, of loving the way that he's called us to love. Right? And, and Paul talks about the, this kind of same command in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 and 15, where he talks about don't be unequally yoked. Right? And again, this is one of those, those things that people like to throw out and use in all sorts of weird ways. But really what Paul's just calling to you is, is if our foundation is, is, as a person is based on Jesus Christ, and he is, is everything to us, and we put our hope in what he's done for us, then that should, again, affect every decision we make. And if how, how could we join ourselves with somebody who doesn't think the same way? It's, it's a recipe for problems because your whole foundation is built on something different. And so that's what Paul's calling, uh, challenging people to in, in Corinthians. There's just reminding people, don't, don't walk into that and, and <laughs> submit yourself to a whole life of problems and challenges. But on the other hand, maybe, maybe you find yourself in this situation, right? Maybe you were already married and then uh, you surrendered your life to Jesus and you find yourself in this position where you and your spouse aren't on the same page as far as um, what it means to, to live a life surrendered to Jesus. Right? And that's what this passage in 1 Peter is talking about is how do you live out that way? That we're still called to, as husbands, love our wives. Even if, if they don't... <laughs> act lovable, right? And wives that, we're called to, to, that you're called to submit to your husbands, even if they're not a loving husband, right? And then we're called to do that so that, again, we get to imitate Christ, right? Were we lovable when Christ loved us? Absolutely not. And, and if you find yourself in that, in that position, it's, it really, it boils up. Matt last week talked about dealing with a bad boss, Right? And a lot of those same things apply in how that we don't compromise our beliefs, but how do, we, how do we live out in good relationship with other people? And so if you find yourself, I would encourage you to just go back and listen to last week's sermon. And there's some really great points that you can just apply to your relationship and marriage if you're not on the same page. Another grenade that's in here is that people often like to pull out is this whole idea of, of wives being gentle and meek and wives should not be adorned. You know, they, they shouldn't make their hair nice and wear jewelry. And a lot of people use this passage to just that, say that women should be like plain Jane, homespun clothing, no makeup. Like that's what God wants, right? 
And again, that's not what this passage is all about. And people, again, have often used that. But, it, but really, all Peter's talking about is that it, it's what's on the inside that matters. Right? It's not this idea of I'm going to make everything look great and have a horrible spirit, right? That's, that's the, the point of this. So again, there's, there's lots of sermons that we could do in there, but we've got to just keep moving. But again, I think those are some of those huge grenades that people just, again, have over the years just taken these things out. And I want to just encourage you, we don't, got time, we don't have time today just to dig through all of those, right? You guys do want to go home today at some point. Um, but I just want to encourage you, dig into God's Word. Let, get at the heart um, study God's Word. Take time, whether it's on your own or in your life groups. Wrestle with God's Word because, again, so many people just have taken these little phrases out and, and again, use them as grenades just to uh, say why following Jesus is ridiculous. Or, or maybe it's, uh, again, maybe it's things that you've been taught and just try to wrestle with God's Word. So I want to encourage you to do that. Right. But this passage, it's, it's bigger than just marriage. Right, because Peter goes on to say, all of you, right, as followers of Jesus, what he's calling us is the way that we relate to every other person should be an imitation of Christ. Right, and so this is that final command. He's like, finally, all of you, whether you're married or not, the way that you relate to other people matters, and it should be dictated by the example of Christ. Again, that's the lens that we look through everything at. Right, in verse 8, we should be like-minded. We should be sympathetic. We should love one another. We should be compassionate. We should be humble. Right, does that list, ref- <laughs> is that a good description of the way the church treats other people? Right, is, that, is that a good descriptive list of the way that you see other Christians engaging in relationship with others? It should be. That's what we're called to as the church. Finally, all of you, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, your relationship should look different. Because we're following Christ's example. And a lifestyle that's reflected in this way, it's a byproduct of a gracious heart and a humble mind. It's a byproduct of a life that understands the example of Jesus. Right? Because as Christians, we're not Christians, we're not followers of Jesus because of how perfect we are and how we've got everything together and look what we've earned. We're followers of Jesus because we are scum who needed somebody to pull us out of the mud. And so it really all boils back down to chapter 2, verse 21. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Our kids are all starting back up with school right now, and, and there's, like, with, with our youngest, we're working on just working on his writing and his letter, right? And there's that whole idea of copy work, right? That you start off and you trace a word or you trace letters or numbers and then there's all the blank space and you just keep doing it all right you guys remember this some of you are okay we're getting some nods now okay all right there's been this idea of child's copywork that we're just imitating right that's what we're called to do with christ he set an example and we're supposed to our lives should be an imitation of that it's child's copywork we're doing what we see jesus did and our first attempts are going to be horrible 
right? They're going to be the ones that, like, when you, as a parent, you're grading, you're like, okay, I, if you squint and shake your head, it looks like an A, right? It's not a great imitation. Again, it all boils, it, we have to be doing this under the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're on our own attempting to live like Jesus, we are going to fail. But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're taking baby steps. We're getting better each time we try something. As we surrender to the Holy Spirit and we start to live the way that Jesus is calling us to live, we start to do it a little bit better. We start to reflect Jesus a little bit more in our relationships, husbands and wives, as we begin to treat each other this way, as we learn to love like Christ loved, then we start to do that a little bit better. As we learn to uh, be humble in our, in, our, in our relationships with other people, as we are, are gentle with other people, as we, as we treat people the way that Jesus treated, we start to, to imitate him a little bit better and a little bit better. We start to reflect him more and more, and our lives begin to reflect Jesus. Our attitude and the way we live our lives is to be an example to others. We should be mirroring Christ. And so, as we wrap up, I just have to leave you this, with this question. Are you reflecting Christ in your relationships? Husbands, the way that you love your wife, do other people see Christ in that? Wives, the way you love your husbands, do, do people see Christ in that? Going back to last week, the way that you relate to your boss, do people see Christ in that? The way you talk to other people, the way you engage other people, do people see Christ in that? That's what we're called to do. That's what this passage is about, is that we're supposed to imitate Christ in all of our relationships. And so as we wrap up today, though, I want to make sure that you hear me loud and clear. Right, if you're listening to this message... And, and you hear that you need to be better because that's what God's called us to be. God expects us to, to live like he lived. And, and he expects us to imitate him because that's what he wants from us. And that's all you hear. Then you've missed it. Right? Because the gospel isn't do all these right steps because then you'll be like Jesus and God will love you. It all boils down to this, that we live differently because of what Jesus has done for us. It's not that Jesus lived a perfect life and so now we're trying to imitate him to get as close to an A as possible. Jesus came and lived a perfect life because we failed. And so all this again, it's, it has to be rooted in the gospel that we were sinners in need of a Savior, and we have been saved. And because Jesus loved us, because He has given us new life, because He has made us heirs of God, then we need to follow Him. And as we follow Him, our hearts should be changed, and, and the way we live should be an outpouring of that. And we can only do it through His power because of what He's done for us. Let's pray as we wrap up. Father God, we thank You that it's not all about us. It's not about what we've done or what we need to do, but it's all about you and what you have done for us, what you have already accomplished for us. 
So Jesus, we just pray that, that, that our, our eyes would be continually focused on you and your incredible love for us. And as we understand that more and more, that, that our relationships would change, that the way we treat other people would change as we focus on you and imitate you because of who you are and what you've done. We ask this in your name. Amen. Yeah, it has been so good to be with you this morning. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Again, whether you're here, whether you're at Roshek, whether you're online, it, we, we just want to continue to be the church. And we're just going to continue looking as we dig through God's Word as we continue on. Pastor Matt will be next here again next weekend, and we're going to just continue on in First Peter. Uh, so we'll see you all later. Bye, everybody.